0: Welcome to Hence the Future podcast. I'm Justin Clark. And I'm Matamor Cronin. And today we're discussing the future of 5G. And we'll get into the security concerns, the health concerns, but also the business implications. Um, first, though, Matamor, what is 5G?
1: Yeah, so 5G is the fifth generation of the internet. And mm-hmm. so about every 10 years, they'll update the internet infrastructure to keep pace with the changing technology and devices. So we started with 2G, then 3G, then 4G, now 5G is the next generation. And really it's a software defined network. So there's still cables, it's not entirely cloud based, but this is the big step in the direction of having everything be processed in the cloud and Mm -hmm. Uh, the capabilities from having these denser bandwidth networks are pretty extraordinary. So there's a hundred times greater capacity with 5g than with 4g. Mm-hmm. So and that
0: basically means that right now for 4g, for example, can put out, let's say 200 megabits per second, or like that's the bandwidth of things that you can download. So if you're streaming a movie from a mobile device, that's the fastest you can download with 5g you can download at 20 gigabits per second
1: yeah so to put that in in terms that are more real world so let's say you want to download a two hour movie before a Mm -hmm. flight with 3g it would take you 26 hours to download that movie with 4g -hmm. it takes about six minutes with 5g it would only take 3.6 seconds to download that movie So this is a huge game changer i mean one of my uh, friends made the comment that this might kill cable companies because people right now a lot of people watch cable like they'll they'll watch the live news or a live sporting event as opposed to streaming it on their phone like streaming it through twitter or something because it's just a much better connection and you don't have to deal with internet lags but once the connection speed with 5G is instantaneous, there is very little reason to use cable or to pay for a cable package. So I thought yeah. that was an interesting development. Yeah,
0: that see, that is really interesting because uh, one thing to uh, differentiate to just for listeners is, 4G, 5G, these are mobile networks. So mm-hmm. there are also other networks like Wi-Fi. That's not a mobile network. You can right. still use a mobile device, but it account. It basically assumes, so Wi-Fi assumes that you'll be in roughly the same spot. So it doesn't have to like, you don't mm-hmm. have to switch towers. Like your device isn't trying to listen for a connection from different towers all over the place. It just listens to a single router in your home. Right. But with 5G, you can be on the move anywhere streaming these really high-bandwidth uh, media content. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just you know, just to differentiate between, like, the mobile network and then there's, like, a local area network. We don't need to get into all that stuff, but um, there's yeah. just a difference to, and to an- think about.
1: And another... Uh... Unique aspect of 5g is that even though it has a much better signal. It has a much shorter range So where mm-hmm. whereas 2 2g and 3g and 4g have a pretty wide range Like you can be pretty far away from a cell tower and still get decent service with 5g. That's not the case So the density with which to build 5g is going to be much greater. So for instance right now there's only a cell tower about every 30 to 40 houses per square kilometer with 5g we're going to need literally hundreds of cell towers per square kilometer
0: yeah and one of the reasons for that is the um the frequency of the waves that are being transmitted over the air um
1: much higher they are a lot
0: yeah they're a lot shorter which means they can't they can't penetrate through Solid barriers as easily, or mm-hmm. they they just can't in general, if it comes up against a solid concrete wall, it you know you're not going to get any sort of signal from a 5 g um, frequency, so they have to make a whole bunch of them to compensate for the fact that there is you know this uh, downside to having barriers all over the place, and you, they just need to make sure that the signal gets to where it needs to go by building a whole bunch of towers.
1: Yeah. And I think for some people we might say like, you know, why build 5G? Like, isn't the internet already pretty good? It seems like we're going to need to do a lot of overhaul for our infrastructure and there's national security concerns, there are house concerns. We're going to get into all of those. But one thing that I noticed through my research is that the limits of 4G are already being pushed in urban areas. So in places like, you know, L.A., New York, you know, the big cities that really are pushing the limits. So in those places, it makes total sense to implement 5G because otherwise people aren't going to buy as many connected devices. And it's sort of become a bottleneck in the Internet of Things, um, you know, development. And that's why what we're going to see 5G roll out is in the dense urban areas first. And because it takes such a big investment to put all of these cell towers in place, we may not see it in rural areas for quite some time. You know, the numbers that I was looking at is that we're supposed to have only 50 percent of the U.S. is going to be covered by 5G by the year 2025. And, you know, that'll
0: mostly be in cities. So still like a big chunk of the population just.
1: Yeah, yeah, but but by 2020, you know, the big cities will already be covered. It's just that mm-hmm. it'll be such a slow rollout to get to the more rural areas, especially mm-hmm. in as dispersed of a country as the U.S. Right. Um, and just some other interesting things around the business side is that it's much more difficult in Europe to implement 5G because mm-hmm. there's so many different countries and different rules and different... Yeah. Um, Yeah, different regulations. So, whereas Europe is about the same size as the U.S., there's sixty different sets of rules and regulations you have to go through to get something like this implemented. Whereas so even the U,
0: even the EU, uh, regulations. Every you know every country that belongs to the EU, that that wouldn't be like one set of regulations. Is it exactly by country? Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Because all of these countries have their own security concerns and they all have their own relations with other countries mm-hmm. and they all have their own, you know, sectors of the workforce to worry about and lobbyists. So I, yeah. I think another, you know, we can talk about the Internet inequality. That might, might be a good a good topic to hit next. Um, but it does seem like Europe may fall behind with 5G. And yeah. in a similar way, the U.S. may fall behind China. Because when you look about the ability to upgrade the Internet for your country, China has complete control over their whole private sector and public sector. Mm-hmm. U.S. has at least it's all within the same country, so it's easier than the, than the, the, the EU. Um, right. And then, you know, developing countries will pretty much just do whatever, whoever gives them the best deal.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the things I'm worried about. Uh, one thing, though, uh, what you said about why why people are motivated to move from 4G to 5G is, so if you've ever been to like a college football game or a, any sort of big sporting event and you're in the stadium with everyone else and you try to use your phone, it doesn't work.
1: Oh, yeah. Because,
0: yeah. because there's so many people trying to access the same network that it just doesn't have the bandwidth. But with 5G, you know, that's not going to be a problem anymore. So there's definitely areas, like you said, whether it's urban areas or big stadiums where there's a huge concentration Mm -hmm. of people trying to use their mobile device.
1: Or like a big event like, you know, South by Southwest or Coachella. And that's the other thing that's unique about 5G is that it allows for what they call network slicing. So this means Mm -hmm. that you can basically pay extra to get extra bandwidth if you need it. So if you have some big event like South by Southwest, you can pay the telecom providers and have high bandwidth for these days in this Mm -hmm. location. Um, And that also is likely to contribute to what is referred to as the internet
0: inequality. Okay. So you just pay for better access, basically? right so
1: so with 5g you will be able to pay for better access which also Mm -hmm. means if you can't pay you're going to have worse access and like we already said in a lot of these rural areas they're not even uh, they don't even have immediate plans to implement 5g -hmm. so as a futurist when you look at how this will play out over the coming years and decades there's a serious advantage to people who have high connectivity and to cities that have high connectivity. And mm-hmm. when you think about all of the time that you waste, all of those seconds waiting for a page to load or a video to stream or a communication to go through, all of those seconds add up and that is, you know, billions of dollars in lost efficiency.
0: Yeah. And one, one, way to take that even further is if we're talking about big cities the the internet of things and all of these sensors all over the place whether that's smart cars or let's say sensors in the water system or the electrical grid and embedding let's say some sort of predictive analytics or ai to Mm -hmm. you know determine when you know when should electricity be sent to this part of the country and when should water be diverted or what, you know, all of these things that can be automated, they need to be connected to the internet. And if, if we have a, if we have better capacity, let's say with 5g, then we can add these sensors all over the place and they can always be connected to each other. And we can have these, you know, we, there's talk of smart cities, but I don't think we truly, I, I don't even know if I truly comprehend what a smart city can be. Hmm. if there are sensors all right. over the place in their infrastructure.
1: Well, I guess the way I, I look at it, so I, I saw this video yesterday that was a time lapse of a plant throughout the day, uh-huh. and it shows that plants don't just sit still. They actually move yeah. around a lot throughout the day. And when you yeah. see a time lapse, it like has a personality. It gets really happy when, it's, when there's <laughs> lots of sunshine, and then it'll yeah, slow down and gets a little depressed <laughs> when it's dark or when it hasn't had water. Uh-huh. And it made me realize that from the plant's perspective, humans are moving super fast. Uh-huh. And basically what the internet allows us to do and what faster internet like 5G allows us to do is to move at an even faster pace. So we're mm-hmm. basically like hacking time by having 5G, having these faster yeah. speeds. And if you play that out, I mean, it's basically like a, a civilization that is at a moving at a higher speed than another civilization that's the advantage of 5g and the longer this plays out the bigger the implications are going to be
0: yeah the so i heard an interesting lecture by uh terence mckenna yesterday yeah. um he's the you know psychonaut i think he i forgot when when he died but anyways he's you know this legendary psychonaut that was talking about time and how time is increasing speed it like the, the way he was defining time is the number of events per you know hmm. unit of, let's say, a year or something. If you look back four billion years, barely anything was happening. And it, as you go more towards the present, there are more events happening because we're more connected and because things are more connected. So the more events that take place, the more innovation that takes place. And then the faster, let's say, AI can iterate on itself or yeah. learn and all of this stuff. So well, the let's, interne- oh, go let's get into
1: those capabilities because there. One thing that struck me in this research is that there are a lot of new products, services, and businesses that will be unlocked by five G that weren't previously available. So you already mentioned the Internet of Things, right? Mm. That's huge. I mean, connected yeah. to everything. Another yeah. area is VR and AR because yeah, right especially now, especially AR, yeah. because
0: then you're you're mobile and on the move, and you don't. you're not going to be just sitting at your home under you know wi-fi is pretty good but if you can be mobile with augmented reality well well,
1: because right now what is vr it's like you have this clunky headset that has a Mm -hmm. fat wire that's connected to a supercomputer and (laughs) that's essentially that's a huge limitation if you have 5g if you can download a two-hour movie in three seconds with that capability you could have something that's, that looks as sleek as Warby Parker glasses that yeah. and, and you know some like airpod looking you know hermetically sealed hearables and you mm-hmm. can basically walk around the world and have full vr or ar capabilities and this could be the first step in the direction of a brain machine interface because yeah. 5g is the first network that will be almost at the speed of thought
0: yeah I mean, it, and you could even have a sort of a rudimentary brain-machine interface where you're not, you know, looking into the depths of the brain, and you're only looking at what makes it to the conscious part of the brain, which actually is, you know, I think it's it's really hard to define, so I'm not going to claim to know exactly um, what it is. But suppose the, the cortex, like the conscious part of the brain, is not really processing that many, let's say, bits of information, which is the same units that computers use for information. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I think 5G can handle a relatively simple brain-machine interface if, if we're not tapping into the unconscious components of the mind and thought and all of that stuff.
1: I mean, there could be something where, based on where you're looking at the screen, you can search for various things, or based on hand gestures, or obviously voice is something that'll be big. Mm -hmm. Um, The question will be when they can connect it to thought, because that'll be a huge... Yeah, that's when we have the neural link. Exactly, but it also gets a little spooky. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, with 5G, a response time, so the time from when you tap something on a screen, to when... It actually goes to that next screen, only one millisecond in latency with five G, which is four hundred times faster than the blink of an eye. So that's that's pretty instantaneous. I mean, we're not even going to notice that four and a half times slower than that. So, so it's it's awesome. And then you know some other businesses, so autonomous vehicles. You know they're already around, but with five G, you can connect them all to each other and truly have. An interconnected yeah. transportation like system. system. Of cars.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, and and you know some people who have made arguments for like you know maybe the cons outweigh the pros for five G. They've said yeah, we like, do
0: need to talk about the cons.
1: <laughs> right, right, and we're yeah, we're gonna talk about them. But first, for the pros, like, I know. Like, you know, people have said if you're in a self-driving car or if you're having robotic remote surgery. You do not want any lag time. It is crucial that there is no lag time. So mm-hmm. for some applications, it is truly a game changer.
0: Yeah, and especially, too, because so with some devices, there are, you know, there are ways that you can just do a lot of processing on the device itself. But there are a lot of applications, especially cars and systems of, mm-hmm. you know, the whole Anything traffic Anything with
1: system. machine learning pretty much.
0: Oh, so I'll, I'll touch on that too. But with um, with a system of cars, you have you have to communicate with all of the other cars on the network. It's not ju- you're not the only thing. That's not the only car that's on the road. So you need to know where all the other cars are, and um, that requires an internet connection. Whereas some things you can basically program the computer to do without connecting to the internet because it just does this straightforward task let's say like a warehouse robot of some Mm -hmm. sort um but on the machine learning front there so there's definitely times when uh, machine learning requires connection to the internet and let's say it's like streaming data to learn like the learning process Um, but whenever you're for the most part when you're applying the machine learning then uh, it doesn't actually need to be connected because you have the modeled if like you're using historic
1: models. data, then you wouldn't need a connection. But if you're using real-time mm-hmm. data, like if the machine is learning and improving in real-time based on yeah. new sensory information, then you would yeah. need. Yeah,
0: continuity. definitely. And most of them, you know, to your point, most of the devices will be learning actively all the time. Like It, it doesn't really make sense to not be learning if there is potentially new information coming in and right. if you have the capacity to do that.
1: Like gaming is a perfect example because as you're going through these virtual worlds, it's updating in real time and it's changing and, Mm -hmm. you know, but anyway, so, I mean, how I've been thinking about 5G has been sort of the good, the bad and the ugly of 5G. So I feel like we've touched a lot of what is good about it. Now I think we should get into what's bad about it and then finally what's ugly. And then we can get into the future scenarios. Okay. So what, what in your mind is bad about 5G?
0: So the most obvious is the health concerns.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, there, there are definitely others, but I want to touch on the health concerns first. So we spoke at the beginning about how 5G has this shorter wavelength yeah. um, frequency. So basically what that means from a living organism perspective is that it actually touches and can disrupt our bodies at an atomic mm-hmm. level. So these, and you know, if if you mess up our body and our communication and our cells from an atomic level, then you can start affecting DNA, and let's say other things, and you can start causing these mutations. Right. And this can lead to a higher cancer uh, incidence where basically um, anyone who's always near these 5G networks, has a higher likelihood of getting cancer because there is so much uh, there's so many of these short wavelengths penetrating the body and or not fully penetrating the body because with with let 's say microwave radi- radiation that can just pass right through without really affecting mm-hmm. uh, the cells or the atoms, but with these shorter wavelengths, you know a lot of bad things can happen, especially since there has to be so many receivers because they can 't pass through. Anything that's solid really. Yeah Um, So and that can even besides cancer this could probably lead to birth defects and other sort of um, Mutations or you know, it can alter the gene expression of living people to give them Let's say a higher likelihood for something else that's highly dependent on your gene expression. I'm just I'm just really worried about the health um, benefit or the health effects
1: Yeah, I mean, they've done research studies, and in one study, they found that when rats were exposed to cell radiation, they had a higher incidence of tumor growth, and other industry people have fought back against that and said that, well, what happens in animals isn't always directly correlated to what happens in humans, and the level of radiation isn't actually that high, so our standards actually it's still within our standards. I mean, this is what proponents of 5G will tell you. But one thing that I noticed in doing research is that all of the research studies have been with existing levels of radiation, meaning 4G or less. None Mm -hmm. of the studies have had the level of radiation that would be in an environment with 5G where you have a cell tower every 10 to 12 houses, which is what we would need. And there certainly has not been a study of that amount of exposure over your whole life, like from the time yeah. you're conceived to the you know, being born, your childhood, your adulthood. Obviously nothing no study like that has happened. So it really is an unknown. And all of the scientists that, that I've heard, they pretty much all come to the same conclusion, which is that we need to wait we need to do more research. We need to see what actually, you know, what was, was going to result from this. Mm-hmm. And of course, no one is willing to wait because there's this global race going on, and it's yeah. a political thing, and it's a technological thing, and it's a business thing. And uh, yeah, these it's... are very real concerns. And and like I, I called up to our listeners. I called up Justin because I had this idea for a business where I was like, oh my god. Everyone's going to be needing to have protection for their house. I mean, Mm -hmm. like if I think of myself as a young parent, you know, you're going to want to put some sort of radiation blocking wallpaper or paint or panels or something in your house. to At least to have one room inside your house that is radiation free, like maybe your your child's bedroom and like your master bedroom. You know, the rest of it can be connected, but it's going to be crucial to have some
0: safe spaces. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's really interesting to see how people react to these sorts of um, innovations. So we see these kinds of potentially dangerous innovations in the food space, like Roundup and glyphosate being added to our our food infrastructure and our food uh, production. Um, people still have, you know, they're trying to say that there's no effect to people in the end because there's such a long lag time, like you were Mm. saying, between when you get infected or, you know, whenever you're exposed to this thing, whether that's Roundup or whether that's 5G radiation. I mean,
1: these are things that the Environmental Protection Agency should be looking into, but yeah, instead it just we depends on
0: who's, who's in charge of the EPA yeah, or exactly. who's in charge of the government or who, who is paying the most money to pass certain right. laws, like the lobbyists, which is really concerning. It's a
1: huge failure of our system.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe we should talk, too, about, you know, now we know that there are definitely health risks. There have been studies about it. What about the security risks? Because yeah. right now we should talk about Huawei. Right, the, the Chinese right. company and, and what they're doing to, you know, penetrate the entire global market with yeah. 5G technology.
1: Yeah. So a couple things, first of all, the reason why 5G is such a big security concern is cause like we said, it's a software based telecommunication system and any type of software is vulnerable to backdoors, right? Because mm-hmm. think about like when you go to sleep and your phone is charging and you have a new software update the next day, just like how we saw that recent hack where when you called someone and they didn't pick up, you could still see through their camera and you could still hear them. This was a mm-hmm. recent, you know, iPhone. Yeah, the Apple. Yeah. This Apple bug, um, just like how that is a bug that came through an update from iPhone software system, there can be mm-hmm. software bugs or maybe intentional yeah that would be that would
0: be what i'd say so like anyone
1: who says like oh no like we can we can double check and triple check and make sure that there's no back door it just doesn't understand how easy it is if you truly are intimately familiar with the technology to create um, you know workarounds because basically it's like whoever knows the most about the technology which is always the person that built it is going to be the one who knows how to exploit it and Mm. So just from a technological side, that's why 5G is a concern. And then from like specifically around Huawei, so they are the second biggest cell phone manufacturer and telecommunications company in the world. They're bigger than Apple. So it goes Samsung, Huawei, Apple. And they're getting bigger every single day. Yeah, that's
0: that's terrifying.
1: (laughs) And it's kind of like... The late—it's just kind of the latest in the trend of Apple creating—or or sorry, of China creating a knockoff of everything. Like they created yeah. a knockoff of Google with you know their web search system. They created a mm-hmm. knockoff of Facebook with like Weibo.
0: Yeah. They created like they a, basically create knockoffs of everything. Yeah,
1: yeah. So this is like their knockoff cell, you know, manufacturer and
0: like our Qualcomm basically. Yeah.
1: And and look, Huawei was started by a guy who was, you know, a Communist Party member. Mm-hmm. And and like there's no distinction between the private sector and the public sector there. It's it's all very, um, yeah. very much the same entity.
0: And and the whole at least the, the vibe that I get from everything I read is China is looking to dominate the information space.
1: Yes. Information and domination is their motto.
0: Yeah. So the the issue too with with um backdoors and allowing Huawei into the US because you know there are arguments that look we should allow them to compete in the US market if we're allowed to see their devices.
1: Right. But right.
0: the the counter to that I think is if we do let them into the market um, they, like you were saying, a lot of these backdoors can be created through software. And if they selectively decide which software to present to the US, then, right. then you know, we're never going to find anything because there's nothing there. Even if we have, which we do, we have some super genius white hat hackers, the ones that can, you know, find these vulnerabilities, even black hat or gray hat hackers, you know, the, the bad and like... yeah sort of sort of bad sort of good hackers. Well, anytime can... there's a
1: software update, you'd have to reevaluate the system. And yeah. once you already have the infrastructure in place, it's really difficult to just like, "Oh, we found a vulnerability. We're going to strip out all of this infrastructure that we spent billions of dollars putting in place and all of our security system and utilities are tied up to this infrastructure." So the reason this is so big right now is because right now is when all of the countries are installing 5G. And what company they decide to go with to in- to install that infrastructure is going to have far-reaching implications for the next several decades. Mm-hmm. So I-, I think it'd be good to see how different countries are responding to this. So, for instance, the Czech Republic had their... 3G and 4G infrastructure installed by Huawei. Mm-hmm. So they will likely do 5G also with Huawei, although the U.S. is lobbying against that. Yeah. Poland is interesting because they're a NATO ally and Huawei had strategically made deals with them so that they can basically have all of their infrastructure in Poland yep. and... Therefore what the u.s. thinks is a backdoor into the whole nato communications Um,
0: Oh, yeah, because if if one country is Compromised and everyone is communicating with that country then all the information is still intercepted Right it it can be sent back to Huawei or you know Beijing, you know depending on what the connections are Uh, you know, I hope it would be nice if Huawei was more benevolent, but I I find it hard to believe, even though there hasn't been like explicit allegations or accusations about.
1: There's been some evidence, like for instance, with South Korea, I was reading that we had noticed, American cybersecurity experts had noticed that information being sent from Canada to South Korea was being Mm -hmm. diverted to China, and South Korea... Um, is entirely dependent on huawei infrastructure and so what the cybersecurity experts think is that this was basically a test to see if china could effectively intercept all of the information in this one channel where they have infrastructure control and so there have been lots of there's been lots of circumstantial evidence around what china's trying to do Mm -hmm. and china's just not the kind of country that operates randomly everything they do is well planned out and they can plan ahead for the next hundred years, whereas yeah, Americans... they're not worried about election cycles. Exactly, they're just <laughs> yeah. Um, they
0: can they can continue the the dynasty of you know whatever it is and pass it down through generations, which is you know it, that's it's interesting to see how it's done, but I just think it's done in in the entirely wrong way. Like it's it's done in a way so they can control people, so they right, can you right. know limit what they see and have, you know, concentrate power more effectively into yeah.
1: like, the well, that's the thing. Like if, if China was a free freedom of information, freedom of thought, freedom of belief sort of country, then mm. there wouldn't be any issue really. Mm. You know, if, if the next biggest producer of telecommunications infrastructure was the Netherlands or Denmark, There'd be no issue. It's the fact that China continuously censors information. Like, if you're in China, you cannot search for Tiananmen Square and get an actual result. Just like you can't show a photo of Winnie the Pooh because he looks like President Xi. I mean, there are some pretty whack rules in China. Wow.
0: I've never heard that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because people made fun of President Xi as looking like Winnie the Pooh. Um, from this one picture he had with Obama. And so they just straight <laughs> up banned Winnie the Pooh. And it's like, okay, if this country is going to ban Winnie the Pooh, what else are they going to ban? And what kind of world does that look like if you're a kid and you grow up and you cannot accurately research history or popular yeah. culture? I mean, this is, I think, even more dire than most people realize because, I mean, as we we'll get into the future scenarios, but... We could see the internet basically fork off into two different paths. One that's free-flowing Western information version of the internet and Mm -hmm. one that's a one-stop shop for authoritarians where you can censor people, you can surveil them, you can put misinformation in there or propaganda and Mm -hmm. just limit the flow of information however you so desire.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we this is probably a good time to start talking about the worst case, best case, yeah. most likely.
1: All right. Well, let's take a quick break and then let's get into the worst case for the future of 5G. All right. So, Justin, what do you think is the worst case scenario for the future of 5G? Worst case scenario.
0: Yeah, so I kind of went in a couple of different ways. So we were just talking about the security risks, but the first thing that I'm concerned about is the health mm-hmm. of everybody. And the the issue that, that we talked about is 5 g is gonna be rolled out in the big cities first, which has the highest concentration of people. And I see an issue with that because people are going to there's going to be a huge chunk of the population that are exposed to this potentially dangerous wave or these these potentially dangerous wavelengths and if we start seeing these big uh, let's say birth defects or cancer rates if we see all of these things spiking then you know that's obviously a terrible scenario and then worse is if people like lobbyists or anyone else who's really, you know, a proponent of 5G, whether that's because it makes them more money or something else, similar to what we've seen as a fundamental issue in the politics of the U.S., hmm. then, you know, it's going to be around and no one's going to do anything. There's going to be this a small majority of people that are saying, bad stuff is happening it's causing cancer it's causing birth defects but since there's so much of a lag time people can make the argument that well you know there's not enough evidence you can't right. assume that you can't assume causation when there's just correlation if you know if there's no direct effect then you know we're fine let's just keep going forward so that's one worst case is like the health Effects And I think the health effects will probably be even worse than we think when put in dense urban environments, because in dense environments, when there's big buildings, then they need to be all over the place, like more frequently than every like 10 houses, whatever number we we um, saw earlier, two to eight. You know, there's there's a big range. Mm -hmm. But anyways, yeah, that's that's one of the the worst cases. Yeah, I mean, I
1: agree. I mean, when you look at what's the worst thing that could happen as humans obviously the end of humanity is one of the worst things that could happen the end of all life would be worse but if this somehow leads to mass infertility or Mm -hmm. you know weird kinds of mutations yeah that could be really bad Um, especially i really worry about the young people and babies and toddlers and adolescents because a lot of the research has shown that that younger people are much more susceptible because yeah. you're you're still developing. And another interesting thing I, I learned in my research is that your skin actually plays a big role in deflecting wavelengths and frequencies that are not oh, interesting. advantageous. So your skin is like one of your best defense mechanisms. And mm. this might this is getting a little mystical, but a lot of mystics and spiritual people also believe that the frequency at which you, your atoms vibrate, like, you know, your vibes Mm -hmm. also play a role in your defense mechanism. So if you feel very confident with yourself, you're very at peace with yourself, you, you are not Mm -hmm. in a bad place mentally, physically, spiritually, if you're overall healthy, or as one way I've heard it described, if the master is home, that it's mm. much, much less likely that an outside intruder will be able to get in in the form of a mutation or whatnot. Mm. So especially if you're like a troubled teenager, for instance, or like a baby that doesn't like really know what's going on, that's like yet another reason why you could be more susceptible to these uh, wavelengths. So, oh wow, yeah, so the health, the health implications are real and that's part of my worst yeah. case as far as national security because i included this also in my worst case i I have really two scenarios and they one of them comes from the other so i imagine a world where half of the world is basically like china meaning half of the world is living in another version of reality without all of the information of what has actually happened historically and what's actually going on so -hmm. if you think about like If china creates this version of the internet that is you know basically a plug-and-play authoritarian regime you can like make a list of all the words you don't want your citizens to know about and you can Mm -hmm. make a list of all the you know bits of information you want to shove down their throats and you want to censor anyone and like flag whoever whoever could be a potential dissident or political rival and then immediately like using ai ban them from air travel outside the country or, like, silence oh. them on social media. Like, if you have this type of system in place, and then mm. China gives it to North Korea, and then China gives it to Russia, and then other developing yeah. countries that really just want the best possible price, like lots of Africa and Asia, and mm. then other parts of Eastern Europe that are kind of on the periphery, like, the you know, Czech Republic, Poland, mm-hmm. Ukraine, Very soon, you could see a situation where half of the world is in a completely different version of reality, just has completely different facts that they're working off of. They could think that America, like, truly is the devil just by having the wrong, you know, facts in place. And then, just going into the actual worst case scenario, would be if then there is like a confrontation between East and West around this freedom of thought. China and the East may win out simply because they have way more information at their disposal. Yeah. And if that happens, then the whole world could become a dystopia where no one knows the actual facts. Everyone's created. Everyone's looking at a censored version of the internet.
0: Man, yeah, that's that's truly terrifying <laughs> to think about. <laughs> what do you think for the for the best case to to lighten up yeah. a little bit? <laughs> Best case
1: scenario. So I had a lot of trouble with the best case scenario because it's really hard to see a situation where the U.S. and China stop being at loggerheads, like stop being rivals.
0: Yeah.
1: On the one hand, we are very dependent on China, and China is very dependent on us. I mean, since World War II, both of our economies have directly gone up. Largely because we've done such a good job of taking the best of both countries. Yeah. So my best case scenario is a situation in which we collaborate with China. We do not create two versions of the Internet. Instead, we find a way to, you know, have both versions. And I actually think what the UK did is interesting in this regard, where the UK has a lot of Huawei infrastructure, but then they hired national security and cybersecurity experts to go in and find any problematic parts of that infrastructure, pull it out and then put in their own replacements. And so that, I thought that was an interesting kind of like um, hybrid option where it's yeah. like, you're still taking advantage of the cost benefits, but you're making sure it's secure for yourself. And I don't know if that's actually a good, a good solution but I guess my best case scenario is some way for us to collaborate with China so that we also have the same internet and we can still trust sending information to their servers and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And we're not like making countries go one way or the other. And somehow, yeah. maybe, maybe it's like we set up some sort of international council that also uses AI that is able to like measure any sort of back doors and it's really tricky yeah. man i had a lot of trouble with the best case
0: yeah best case is the u.s wins the ai war and then <laughs> and then we can you know dominate it yeah everything. <laughs> or some some sort of it's just hard to envision AI.
1: that i mean i guess like i guess like if open ai won or if google won out and yeah i, yeah. Guess, I guess that really is the best case if
0: at least from the security perspective of yeah this yeah, I think I think you covered the the security part of the best case uh, really well. So my I'll talk on uh, my best case for the you know the the health benefits. Um, so one thing that I was interesting that I was interested in seeing is so this is kind of a a three stepped um, thing for me also. So so for the first one, either the best case is there really is no health side effects of 5g right so it's it's fine everyone can use it there's there's nothing wrong with it i think that's unlikely but um or you know another part of the best case would be something like a radiation vaccine where you can basically inoculate yourself from being you know from having issues related to radiation so you can make sure that people are they have the the defenses to handle certain types of radiation which i i looked up you know i don't know much about all the terminology that was used but i looked up and there were there are definitely people studying this area um oh, so yeah. there are also like cancer vaccines radiation vaccines i mean we're, we're, we're really
1: pretty really close think. to solving cancer from what i know and hmm. one of the main methods is using your own t cells to fight cancer so basically it's like Let's take out all of your good cells that fight against the intruders. Let's make some changes to them to make them even more effective, and then let's inject it right into the areas where it's needed. Mm. Obviously, if there's like a less messy way like in the movie Elysium, where he just has that like basically like an like like a <laughs> like a steamer for shirts that like just heals your whole body <laughs> like, <laughs> like that would be nicer but but yeah, I mean yeah. if we solve cancer then that would be a big step forward in combating 5g and connectivity and all that Mm -hmm.
0: as long you know as long as afterwards we can also defend ourselves from the other effects you know we can defend ourselves from from giving birth to children with defects you know genetic Mm -hmm. defects or cellular defects um something along those lines so yeah there's there are things that i think can happen you know uh, we just need to make sure that we were at least protected on the health front. Um, but then, you know, that, so I think that's step number one, we need to figure out the health thing, step number two. And, you know, these all assume that we're in the, the U S version of 5g where it's pretty safe and we trust everyone. Um, so anyways, the, the second part is we kind of usher in an era of smart cities. Where we can truly, um, com- or we can truly have the capacity for automation and AI to mm. to learn and to to basically just automate everything that we've talked about in the past in the previous episodes, the future of intelligence, the future of automation, all of these things can actually happen when we have these highly connected cities. Where yeah. where devices can be learning. So if we have like a central AI, but but its its nervous system and its limbic system is is all of these sensors all over the place, right? Yeah. It, it needs it needs this internet infrastructure to to do that. And it and we need you know we, we'll we'll need that sort of um, that internet uh, device or yeah, those well, internet connected devices.
1: Well, I always go back to the Earthling perspective, which is that Mm. first and foremost, we're all Earthlings. We're all trying to do what's best for Earth, even if you Mm. don't realize it. And we're basically upgrading our own capability to do what's best for Mother Earth. And Mm. if we do that successfully... You know just like how we're speeding up time relative to the, t- the speed at which plants move it's like our ability to respond to let's say like a meteor coming and threatening us or global climate change and needing to tweak the climate system a little bit mm-hmm. or like foreseeing other threats coming at us will be yeah. much much greater with 5g so long as the other the various nodes of mother earth don't kill each other like yeah. china and the us we're essentially <laughs> all on the same mission it's just that we have a different philosophy and so th- which philosophy wins out obviously has huge implications to us as humans but from an earthling perspective it may not matter that much yeah
0: if eventually we transcend this you know this human form that we're, that exactly. we're in and we you know we become some sort of cyborg humans you know the the far future humans are some sort of cyborg um, Well,
1: just whenever there's super intelligence whenever machines are smarter than any possible human that's going to come fairly soon and 5g is going to allow us to basically communicate with machines in real time Mm -hmm. hopefully on behalf of mother earth and what's best for for other earthlings
0: yeah and, and that actually leads to my third step of this of this best case and that is if we if we are highly connected and we're living these highly connected lives we have we we at least have the infrastructure to allow ai to learn let's say ai gets to the next level the super intelligence level mm-hmm. and we also have a company like neuralink some sort of brain machine interface but we with this highly connected device like this probably transcends 5g and moves on to something, you know, totally different. I don't even know what it would look like, but basically everyone is part of this collective consciousness. Like we like if I'm trying to think about something, I can tap into the thoughts of everybody else. You know, I'm still mm. living in the present in my own body, but <clears throat> I can actually as I'm thinking, I'm thinking and looking at my memories through everybody else's thoughts and memories Hmm. so it's like i i have the experience of everybody else without having personally lived my own experience of you know all of this stuff but we need we need this highly connected this super fast internet that's almost instantaneous throughout the world for this to be a thing it's almost like transcending the human brain and making the human brain, like each individual human brain, a single neuron of this right. like far future brain. Um, so that's kind of like the, the super far out, like yeah, century or I two like down the line.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's get into the most likely scenario. Most likely scenario. Okay. So I, I guess I can start this one. So, My most likely scenario from a national security perspective is that there's going to be a growing number of modern authoritarian states. Mm. So I think that's fairly unavoidable, at least in the short term. Meaning just like how we see, you know, Iran and Turkey and Venezuela and certain countries that have authoritarian regimes, a lot of these regimes have had a tough time because Their people have free access to information, and they can rebel and organize against the dictator. I think what we're going to see in the near term in the future are more authoritarian states that have the ability to censor information, to surveil their citizens, and to control the narrative. Now, I don't know at what point this is going to come to a head, I don't think the most likely scenario is that all countries end up being authoritarian. You know, That's the worst yeah. case. But I do think that there is going to be a battle for freedom of information. And I could see situations where there's sort of an underbelly of companies and products and tools and maybe CIA operations or whatever that basically try to give information access to people who don't have information access. And I think through that, a lot of these regimes may fall apart because I strongly believe that in the end, truth always prevails Mm. and you can only fool people for so long. And yeah, we might have a couple terrible like decades or whatever if you're living in one of these authoritarian countries. But I truly believe that the most likely scenario is that in the end, freedom of information prevails. And like you said, we become sort of this global network of nodes that can all cooperate to do what's best for the planet and for all of our fellow beings. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I I like that. So, so my, my likely scenario that, you know, I think you, again, you touched on the, the security risks, um, pretty well, but I think in the short term, um, we're going to have, you know, some cities adopting 5g. Some cities don't adopt five g um, but what I'm worried about is the countries and the the places that are desperate to position themselves as a some sort of innovation leader. so you have some some countries, let's say in East Europe, that are trying to um do what they can to be to attract entrepreneurship and innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what they're going to do is take the cheapest, fastest short-term solution and go with Huawei even right. even if they don't necessarily know what the side effects are um, and then that that could lead to health consequences um, and then I think I don't think the, the health consequences are going to show up until decades after it's mm-hmm. introduced, like I don't think we'll see any sort of um, significant like statistically significant results for you know the next couple decades Mm -hmm. and then people are going to very clearly the same way that all of these dangerous technologies continue to thrive in the U.S. um, are um, I think it's going to be the same way with 5G uh, which is sort of unfortunate Um,
1: well it has been interesting that cancer rates have been going down in the last several years as more is that true that's what I. That's that's what I've, in my oh. research, I found. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I haven't looked at like the the timeline of of cancer rates, but oh, that, maybe maybe I, it's you know more just the, intuitive. The
1: death rate is the death rate's down twenty five percent since nineteen ninety one. So ah, maybe we're okay. just better getting better at treating it. Yeah, keeping people alive. But there could be other implications. Like we could see more autism. I mean, yeah. It's yeah. really hard to predict like what implications there could be as far as health, but
0: Yeah, and I think the fact that no one I, I think there will be a select few researchers that are like, this is really bad, we need to stop, but I don't think they'll have a loud enough voice to actually, you know, make any sort of policy changes because we're gonna have companies like Qualcomm and or you know, if we're just discounting uh Huawei altogether being in the US, then I think there's going to be I, I don't I don't think it's it's going to um go away. Like w- there yeah. will be 5G. There's no going back at this point because it is a race to the, you know, it, it's a race of information. It's a race to see which company or, or which country will dominate the internet.
1: Yeah, um, dominate information.
0: So, and I think the side effect of that will be the the health consequences. That like I don't even think our um you know, then I have, you know, the whole philosophy of like, why do we, why do individuals need more technology? Um, I mean, I do think that what I talked about in the best case scenario would definitely be the best case scenario, which requires more technology, but we also need to ask ourselves, like, why, why do we need people to have better mobile internet? Um, right. like, is, is that something that we want Do we want more people to be immersed into their augmented reality world it's because
1: people are never satisfied with what they have yeah It's a trait of human nature it's not like we actually need better internet and more gdp and we don't need any of that just sitting you know sit in a nice beautiful mountain cabin and look at the birds and the fishes and yeah i agree it's not like we need this but it's a fact that it's coming and it's good to be informed about these trends and what, so if you're a businessman and you're thinking of businesses i would definitely listen to the types of businesses that we've identified that you can you know will, will now be possible with 5g like remote surgery vr autonomous vehicles machine learning brain machine interfaces any sort of internet of things device
0: yeah
1: um all of that i still
0: think sensors Sensors is going to be huge because right now sensors are are decent but they 're not great yeah and yeah. so if you're a computer engineer and you're good with like embedded mm-hmm. systems like sensors and these little devices all over the the cities that we 're living in are going to be ubiquitous like w- mm-hmm. we're we're going to have sensors everywhere, and if you can start a company that makes good sensors, you know even yeah. if it 's something obscure, like tracking I don't know, the, the mycelial network underneath the ground, you know, I, I don't really know what that would look like, but there are so many things that you can do with the sensors that I think would be beneficial to humanity, just if yeah. we, you, you can manage what you measure, you know, for, is that Peter Drucker, his famous right, saying, right. what gets measured gets managed, yeah. so the better sensors we have, we can actually manage these different systems and learn about these systems in a more uh, complete way.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I guess some final thoughts I have, I wouldn't recommend getting a 5G phone until 2020. Just mm. one piece of advice, because the current 5G phones aren't really 5G. They're sort of like a narrow version of 5G where it's only, it will only work in certain areas. And a lot of technologists have said that once the full-fledged version of 5G comes out, those early 5G phones may not work on the full network. So, mm. as a consumer, I would say wait till 2020. As a business owner, I would say look at the opportunities. As a parent, I would say look into, you know, day you caging home. <laughs> your home or at least one room in your home. Yeah. And as a diplomat, I would say let's try to build one version of the internet that's safe for everyone and have free flowing information. We are all I think that's a good place to wrap talk up. About three, yeah. Three, yeah. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. We're going to talk about what has happened, what is currently happening, and what will inevitably happen.
0: The past, the present, and the future.